0: On June 23rd, 2021, in Buckeye, Arizona, after a series of erratic behavior, a young man leaves work in his 2017 Jeep Renegade headed west towards the desert. He is never seen again. You're listening to the Mysterious Brews Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Daniel Robinson.
1: tonight. It's been three months since geologist Daniel Robinson went missing from his work site in a remote part of the desert in Buckeye. And now for the first time, we are finding out what police have learned about the days before and after his disappearance. Here's ABC 15's Courtney Holmes. Daniel Robinson's state of mind, a recurring theme in this report as police try to piece together what happened to the 24-year-old. Daniel was last seen by a coworker on June 23rd, and according to this police report, was acting odd at his job site just before driving away. But in the days prior, the report says Daniel was also behaving oddly with a woman he'd met while working a side job for a food delivery service. After only a few days, texts revealed he'd show up unannounced. The report says he told family that he was in love with her. It also says photos on his Instagram account appear to have been removed since he'd gone missing. Still no clear answers about what happened. And in an appearance on CNN, his father, David Robinson, says it took police too long to start searching for them in earnest. Once Daniel became missing, um, uh, we realized that I think the quick action, uh, It wasn't there quick enough, first of all. The report shows the family requested a helicopter search on June 24th. Didn't happen until June 25th. Police didn't actually enter his home until July 6th, almost two weeks after he was reported. Welcome to a deep, dark,
2: dank, moist basement somewhere in the Bowels, Georgia. So, Coacher, how was uh, the beach in the sand?
0: It was pretty, pretty all right. Uh, Could have been a little more exciting, but.
2: (laughs) But it it wasn't your hometown.
0: No, it was definitely good to get out of the house and go somewhere else and be a lazy
2: piece of shit. (laughs) It's always a good time when there's surfing sand. So. For some
0: reason, like, they decided every single night from 11 to 2 a.m. to shoot fireworks on the beach, like, and not just like. Roman candles and bottle rockets—we're talking almost industrial size, festival size fucking fireworks.
2: So I promised a lady a shout out, but I've shut down my uh, work computer, and I don't quite remember after 150 episodes which one she was talking about. But she had a good point. I think it was the one that the guy that was found in Tennessee with all that money. What's his name?
0: Oh God. I would have, I would know it. Blair Adams. Blair Adams. Blair Blair Adams. Adams. Yes. Good Lord.
2: All right. So what she theorized was he may have got injured at work. And one of those internal injuries could have been suffered at work. And he didn't say anything because he was, violating the old work safety protocols and osha might have gotten involved and he was like hell with it i'm just gonna go on vacation and then wound up jacked up so that was her theory and i was like that's an awesome theory i had not thought about that she
0: it's not a a bad theory but it doesn't explain the erratic behavior of flying to washington driving to knoxville i mean that's not that's not a vacation people are going to take
2: true but i had never thought of you know, some of those internal injuries may have come from that, and then he was just out of his mind. But I told her we would shout her out on a future episode, so we did. So then I believe you have a five-star review. I'm looking for it. I can't find it. So I think you sent it in the old messenger. Well, we did the one. Was it, is it the one from New Jersey? Uh, did we do that one already? Hell, I don't. You can see how professional we are. Uh, Uh, We're going to do it again anyway.
0: (laughs) If we've done it, we've done it. If not, we're doing it now. All right. So it's from a Rachel underscore New Jersey NJ. She says, great show. Heart five stars listening from New Jersey. Took me a hot minute to get used to your accents, but love your show. We are limited to no podcasters or even news in the dirty jurors. Probably how I found my way down to Georgia. So we appreciate it. But I don't think our accents are that bad.
2: I don't either. I don't know why
0: somebody would make fun of the way we talk. <laughs> well, I mean, being from New Jersey, not used to the accent, I'm sure we sound weird, but there's people around here that sound weird to us. And by golly, when we think they sound weird, they, they sound like Boomhauer from King of the Hill, like me, by God, we gonna go down here right here and go to the racetrack on Saturday, by God.
2: Well, and when <laughs> Yeah, if we need subtitles, you know it's bad. (laughs) Or I always tell my wife, I'm like, if you don't watch their mouth, you can understand more.
0: (laughs) I mean, I'm sure objectively from somebody not from the South, we do sound pretty bad. But let me assure you with 100% certainty that we are nowhere near the worst.
2: No, sir. (laughs) We are not. If you listen to our previous episode, 149, you will know that we worked with a gentleman that is much, much worse. And y'all think we're exaggerating when we do his voice. We're not doing it justice.
0: No, it's worse than what we do, but
2: we do it pretty good.
0: We do. Give you a pretty good idea how he sounds, but you'd have to hear it to believe it.
2: There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, let's do this. This is crazy.
0: It is, man. I know we do
2: crazy cases
0: all the time, but this is pretty crazy.
2: We're talking about the mysterious disappearance of Daniel Robinson. I think it's going to pretty much boil down to the
0: fact that you just got to really appreciate the fragility of your mind. Like, it can snap. You can go south real quick. Yes, sir, you can. And I think this is a case where he did. He just lost it for whatever reason.
2: We're talking about Daniel Cornelius Robinson, who was born on January 14th, 1997. He was the youngest in his family that consisted of his father, David, mother, Melissa. He had twin sisters, Davisha and Letitia, an older brother, David, and a younger sister, Talia.
0: Now, is the two girls, Davisha and Letitia, are they twins?
2: yes. They are, sir. The family was incredibly close, especially Daniel and his siblings, who helped him come to terms with being born without his lower right arm. Now, I've seen lower right arm, and then I've also seen he just didn't have his hand basically at the uh, wrist.
1: So
0: still, That's still going to suck. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure being born that way, you probably got used to it pretty quick.
2: He was always a smart kid and even taught himself how to play the trombone and the French horn as a child. He had a passion for adventure and enjoyed spending time with his friends and family. Daniel also had a lot of self-confidence, which went very well with his outspoken nature. In 2019, Daniel graduated from the College of Charleston in South Carolina, and not long after, he was hired as a field geologist with Matrix New World Engineering and moved to Phoenix, Arizona. He was in charge of overseeing the company's remote desert sites. His family had stated that he loved the job, because it allowed him to do three things that he loved. One, be outdoors, two, hike, and three, examine various rock formations. In May and June of 2021, Daniel started acting a little off, according to some of those around him that knew him. For example, people would find him sitting and staring off into space in complete silence for long periods of time. He also started telling his family that he met a woman and was in love with her. Now, We have to take this with a grain of salt because Daniel's not here to tell his side of the story, but the woman's name was Caitlin, and according to her, Daniel just delivered groceries to her house when he was doing his side job with Instacart.
0: And to say that this gentleman fell head over heels in love with this woman would probably be an understatement.
2: Correct. Now, according to her... She had invited him in each time to just place the groceries down in her home. So Daniel started pursuing her, and it went as far as her having to file a police report against him as she stated she was not interested. Now, without Daniel here, like I said, we're only getting one side of the story, but we have some texts that I found between the two that may... Shed some light on it.
0: Kind of points towards her being in the right here. Yes, like, so she may have had a reason to.
2: Yeah, you're right. So cool it. it starts off on well, what she turned in to authorities was it started on Sunday, June 13th at 2:29 a.m. She sends a, a link to a podcast through Apple.com, and then same day, same time, he responds with "Hey." Then Monday evening, June 14th at 7.19 p.m., he states, Hey, I accidentally left my canopy outside your house. Is it still there? If so, is it okay if I pick it up? Then he texts again saying, Also, the podcast was great. She responds the next afternoon on June 15th at one thirty-seven, saying, Yes, you can pick it up whenever. Later that same evening, he responds with, Thanks. How do I get there again? I can come now or tomorrow afternoon and grab it. Again, she waits till the following afternoon and says, hi, I saw you on camera. I'm actually in Flagstaff and will be home later tonight. If you want, I can put it out front by the chairs before I head out for work tomorrow. He responds that uh, roughly an hour later at 3.12 p.m. and sends just a red colored heart emoji. And then that same evening at 10.13 p.m. he sends, I'm sorry. The next day on June 17th at 6.39 p.m., she sends a text saying, please stop showing up unannounced. He responds with, okay, I won't ever again. She says, thanks, I'm looking right now and don't see the canopy in the garage. He says, don't worry about it, I already have it. She responds with a question mark and says, I'm confused. He comes back with, I did grab it yesterday. I just wanted to tell you I'm sorry for disappearing the other day. And at the end of that sentence, he puts a sad face emoji. And then he says, I could not stop thinking about you. So Saturday, that was on Thursday. So on Saturday, he follows up with, hey, can we hang out? She comes back an hour later and says, I'm not home. He says, okay. Uh, This is when she starts taking screenshots of her text with him to send to police. He says, on Tuesday... After the, I couldn't stop thinking about you, he says, the world can get better, but I'll have to take all the time I can, or we can, whatever to name it. I'll either see you again or never see you again. And that was the last message that he would have from her or her from him.
0: It's pretty crazy, man. He's definitely not good
2: at taking a hint. No, no, sir, he's not. So (laughs) on the morning of June 23rd, 2021, Daniel went to work at a job site in Buckeye, Arizona. A co-worker of his, Ken, was there with Daniel, and that is actually the first time they had worked together. Ken says that Daniel mentioned that he was really tired. Ken thought his behavior seemed a little odd, and that was confirmed to him when Daniel abruptly waved goodbye, got into his Jeep Liberty, and drove off.
0: Yeah, he said, like, things were just getting, his comments were just getting more and more confusing. Didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And then he just dipped out.
2: Yep. He said that it started out normal, but then suddenly he started acting distracted and staring off in the desert. Quote, he was just looking off into the desert. He had a very, very distant look in his eye. Whenever he'd turn around again, I would look at him and look into his eyes. The first thing I thought was maybe he was on some drugs or something, but his pupils were not dilated. From that standpoint, everything appeared to be normal. Then I thought this was a medical condition or something. I wasn't too sure. I kept watching him, but he just kept turning around and looking off into the desert. Then he just turned around, walked back over to his Jeep, and I just assumed he was going to get something out of his vehicle. And he opened the door, got in, sat down, put on his seatbelt. Then he looked at me, waved, and backed up and took off, end quote. So, yeah, that's a little odd. So that same morning, Daniel had actually text one of his sisters saying that he had an emergency. When she tried to reach him after receiving the text, he wouldn't answer the phone. Now, Ken, his co-worker, became worried about Daniel, and he started going to see if he could find where he had taken off to. No one else at the company had heard from Daniel, and when Ken found Jeep tracks that led off into the desert, he became alarmed. He tried to search for Daniel and his Jeep, but could not find anything. That same day, the family begins to worry because they still can't reach him. And since this was out of character for him, because he always communicated with someone in his family daily. And when they find out that he had not finished his shift at work, they report him missing that very evening. So the Buckeye Police Department begins searching the area, They bring in ATV search teams and even search by helicopter and drone. They searched a total of 70 square miles around the job site where Daniel was last seen, but there's no sign of Daniel or his Jeep. Now, family members immediately from South Carolina hop on a plane, fly to Arizona, and they join the search efforts. Daniel's father has been very outspoken, and even with his son's disappearance only being roughly a year old, he has made sure that it stays in the news. Police advise Daniel's father, David Robinson, to check his son's social media accounts for any activity or any clues that may lead to his whereabouts. Mr. Roberts, Robinson obliges and he finds that Daniel had actually deleted all of his Instagram photos.
0: Very strange indeed. It's premeditation right there.
2: Yes. So there's no clues or evidence at the actual job site, and it looks like there's no evidence on the old socials. So on July 19th, almost a month after Daniel had vanished, a rancher finds his Jeep crashed in a ravine on his property. His Jeep was found turned on its side just four miles from the job site where he was last seen with Ken.
0: You would think that they would find it, I mean, just four miles away?
2: And that's what I was about to say.
0: How did they not find it?
2: That's what I was going to say. You know, keep in mind, they searched 70 square miles from where he drove off the job site, and they didn't find it.
0: That's, that that would lead me to believe that it hadn't been there. Correct. At that time, but that's still strange that he would come
2: back. So the question is, how long was the Jeep actually there? The same day that the Jeep is found, David Robinson hires a private investigator to help in the search for his son because in some news articles, it is stated that Authorities did not notify him for twenty-four hours that they were searching. But other news articles say they reported him missing immediately when he they find out he didn't he left the job site and didn't finish his shift. So there's some conflicting reports out there on the interwebs for sure.
0: I don't know though. I mean just some some the the kid drives all drives away from the job site are you automatically going to think oh he's missing or are you going to think that asshole just quit
2: that's what i would think is the lab i night. would
0: i wouldn't assume that they reported him missing immediately
2: no i wouldn't either i'm thinking probably it's more along the lines of what i had stated that they can't get in touch with him they call his work work says hey we don't know where he's at he left the job site at whatever time today and we've not yeah. seen him then they get worried because they can't get him on the telephone or respond by text, and then they report him missing. That's the way I figure it went down.
0: That makes more sense than just immediately, oh, he left the job site. I would would just think he quit.
2: Yeah. The investigator that they hire is Mr. Jeff McGrath, and he immediately focuses in on the Jeep. He notices a couple of interesting things. All of Daniel's personal belongings, including his clothing, were found in or near the Jeep. His wallet and his phone were found inside the Jeep, and his clothing was piled up outside of it. He also notices some damage to the Jeep that was not consistent with the area in which it was crashed. And you may be asking yourself, Self, what is Arlo speaking of? Well, there was some red paint transfer on Daniel's black Jeep, so that kind of stands out. And the crazy thing is, there was nothing red at the job site or within a couple of square miles that may have or may have not left that red transfer. So it looks like he was in an accident with another vehicle. Now, David Robinson, Daniel's father told insider.com in an interview, quote, my son would not have undressed himself. Despite what Buckeye police has put out that my son was somehow depressed and may have decided to get away from his family end quote. So the newspapers and, The articles that I read said that after analyzing the black box, which I guess that's the computer. That's what I'm assuming in a vehicle. They learned something craziness went down. And that craziness is the car actually crashed multiple times and in fact had been driven over 10 miles after it had crashed. The data also showed the car was cranked more than 40 times after the initial crash, indicating that someone tried to start the engine repeatedly. Also, one of Daniel's socks was found near his job site. Just out of the blue, there's a sock. But wait for it. Even with all of this information, the police announced they don't believe foul play was involved. Now, searchers continued to search for him. And on July 31st, a human skull was recovered in the area south of where the jeep was found. After completing DNA testing, the remains were determined not to be Daniel's. Fast forward to November the 9th, and it was reported that a second set of human remains were discovered. These remains were sent for DNA testing to compare against Daniel's, but it was not him again. So police don't find him, but they find two other Skeletal remains. Investigators are led to believe that Daniel is nowhere in the area. And since that last skeletal remain discovery, no additional remains have been found in the area, and law enforcement investigators have stopped searching. Now, his father would continue to search, I think, continuously on the weekends. So there's a couple of questions here. One, what was the real relationship with this woman? I mean, if you look at it from her standpoint, and she does have the text to back it up, I mean, it it sounds like he became infatuated with her. The other one, why was he acting so odd the days and then the morning that he disappeared?
0: I mean, there's no real answer. It's just other than if you accept the fact that he just had an all-out mental break.
2: Correct, and there's
0: then, reason, but there's nothing to indicate that, and there's definitely no reason I mean there's no evidence to back up to justify a mental break, you know there's no things no happening that could cause it,
2: and I was wondering what, that we know of what the emergency he's referring to that he sent his sister was that you know he didn't feel good, he felt like was that the emergency, or was there something else going on and if there were truly nothing nefarious that happened, then where in the hell is he? And like Coach said, did he have a mental break and just wander off into the desert and succumb to the elements? If he did, you would think they would find his remains, but they haven't.
0: I mean, that's the only real explanation for what was happening. I mean, the obsessiveness with the girl and then just walking off the job is is the only thing it leads to is a mental break, but you're right. If you'd think they'd find him, and you would think they a seventy mile grid search would turned up the car that was four miles
2: away. Yeah, on its side, black that in the desert. Yeah,
0: that doesn't make sense that the car wasn't found.
2: No, and, and then, it was
0: definitely a hard wreck. I mean, the airbags were deployed. The car was on its side. It was trash. I mean, it was trash. It was a hard wreck. He didn't just pull off on the side of the road. He flew off the side of the road.
2: And I had read where they think that the red paint transfer may have happened. Somewhere else, and that, that's when the airbags deployed. And Reddit's full of like there's 370 comments on this case on Reddit, but one of them said that yes, you can drive after the airbags are deployed.
0: You can, but I bet it's not recommended.
2: No, I guarantee it's not going to be easy either. Well, what if the paint transfer didn't happen somewhere else? What if he was ran off the road? Correct. That I mean, I didn't think about that. That's he could have been bumped and over
0: adjusted or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's the middle of the desert, man. There's and that would it's, lead you to—I
2: mean, that would lead it's you to—wild
0: west out there. Still, the,
2: the concut—he could have had a concussion and was out of his mind. That would explain the clothes outside of the vehicle, leaving his stuff in there. But again, you would think if he did have a concussion, was out of his mind. Again, you would think he would have the remains would be found. My biggest question is, who did the other two sets of remains belong to?
0: Yeah, they couldn't identify them. Yeah. I mean, the only thing they could determine was they were not his, so that's we got two other mysteries
2: wrapped in it, this one,
0: yeah, it could be Patricia Meehan when they even found her. she was in the desert, yeah, that's true they, I mean, it could be another case that the body of another case that we've covered
2: it could be Lake Mead, man. Somebody didn't even make it to Lake Mead to get buried. they just threw him in the desert out yeah. there near Terralingua. still got the shovel (laughs) Now Daniel's father has continued to lead searches that he has organized himself He doesn't feel that authorities are putting effort into finding his son He travels to Arizona very often putting on searches of his own And these searches would be conducted every weekend With volunteers searching not only the desert area around the work site But also amongst the homeless population in Tempe And that's where Daniel was actually living Now, the family has set up a website, pleasehelpfinddaniel.com, and is offering a reward for information that leads them to him. The family also has a GoFundMe set up, which is linked on that pleasehelpfinddaniel.com page. Funds are going towards the fee for the private investigator and hotel and travel fees for the family to remain in Arizona. Now, Daniel Robinson was described or is described as a black male, five foot eight inches tall and weighing approximately 160 pounds at the time of his disappearance. He is missing his right hand. And you can submit tips on the family website that I've mentioned, or you can text the family at 803-200-7994. Now, we get into the some theories out there, and these were two of the more relevant ones I felt like on Reddit And the first one comes from, uh, just says anonymous user. And it says, why is the search focusing on the homeless population in Tempe? Were there leads that indicated Daniel may have taken to the streets and blended in? Uh, Reddit user futuread7792 stated, hey, I actually helped search for Daniel. The searches were... In the homeless population in Phoenix, a lot of the homeless people down there claim to have seen him. However, many of these people have been very intoxicated. A lot of people say they've specifically seen him at CAS, which is the Central Arizona Shelter Services. Search groups have searched these populations. However, it seems that there are a few homeless individuals that look similar to Daniel. Well, looking similar is one thing, but he is kind of distinguishable with the fact that he's missing his hand another reddit user sales tax says do you think it's possible that he was experiencing the effects of dehydration coupled with a mental episode or concussion from the wreck he was from south carolina i've spent considerable time in both arizona and south carolina and may not have recognized the difference between desert heat and human heat human humid oh, a
0: huge difference
2: humid heat effects yeah
0: I've been to Vegas uh, six times, and every time it's been over 100 degrees, and I would take that over 90 degrees in Georgia because, brother, that humidity will kill you.
2: (laughs) Yes, it will. Now, this guy says that he drank more water in one day in Arizona than he would three days in South Carolina. The few times I've gotten dehydrated in a desert environment, it set in very quickly. Fatigue and nausea for me to the point where I had to sip water rather than gulp it or else I would throw up. In more severe cases, it can lead to confusion to the point of being delusional. Someone with severe depression may not recognize those signs and lose an appetite to consume even water because of the nausea. The Sonoran Desert is no joke. Bodies are always being found out there. It's possible he chose one of the hundreds of mine shafts throughout the area to toss himself down or seek shelter and fell down. Someone in his profession could likely gain access to that data. It's a sad case. I hope there's some resolution to it one day. So another user named Birdseye85 responds to sales tax and says that I'm from the area and had considered a flood may have carried his body downstream and not just down the Sampa. There's a lot of little washes in that area, and then another Reddit user named Führer in Law responds with: "Monsoons were soon and some of the strongest we had had in decades during that period." That's a very good thought. Had his body already decomposed enough to be near bones, they could have easily been scattered throughout the desert by the monsoons. So Birdseye comes back with. Yes, this year, the monsoons have been insane. I'd wager a flash flood took his body at the time, and now the remains are likely scattered down the wash. If you've ever seen the debris packed up against the tree roots after a flood, you'd understand the vast strength those floods pummel down with the washes. I think he was just a victim of the elements, unfortunately. And that's basically all the theories out there. So.
0: What's your theory, my friend?
2: My theory is. I think he may have had a concussion coupled with depression, and it just he was not in his right mind. And it's kind of like that, you know, when you get hypothermia, they the undressing kind of maybe he thought that by taking clothes off he could cool down, or he was in his wrong mind. But I'd also seen someone theorize that he was of the age now he would be on the latter end of their age range, but for schizophrenia to start showing its head, even though the family says there's not a history of that. But to be honest with you, mental break concussion followed by depression and just dehydration. I mean, all three of those combined together, you're going to be out of your mind. And if just two of them, you'd be out of your mind. But you know, unfortunately I have to agree with the, the police department. I don't think there is anything nefarious. I mean,
0: I, yeah, yeah. Was- I honestly don't think there's anything nefarious going on, but I think there's definitely some missing pieces to the puzzle that we'll just never know. I think something was going on in his personal life, or he, like I said, like you said, maybe a concussion that he something ha- something happened that we don't know. It's very, it's not, it's not imp- impossible by the, any stretch of the imagination, but it's not likely just to snap for no reason. Like just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're a, a stalker.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then decide to disappear off the face of the earth.
2: And you know, like I had stated, we're not ever gonna know if he his side of the story with the young lady named Caitlin, there may have been some initial flirting going on that he misconstrued and then he tries to he just
0: tried too hard
2: right and then she it shuts it, like it down me,
0: it's like he just he saw something that she didn't and he just ran with it and it just got he got too infatuated too fast and just lost it
2: and the canopy thing's kind of odd too i mean do, i wonder if it, if she had a, enough groceries that he had to put up a canopy to for the, because of the heat i mean i know things are different out there but why would he bring a canopy to her house just for groceries that's kind of odd but anyway, well, uh, let us know what you think. We uh, will be putting this on the old socials. Maybe put a poll up. Ain't done a good poll in a while. Also, we we'll need to get into recommendations. So uh, I'm going to be a little selfish. And since we just dropped our 150th, we uh, were redoing the Jennings 8 case because that audio was hideous. And I tried to listen to it again thinking, nah, well, it can't be that bad. No, it really is. It's really that bad. You cannot understand what is going on.
0: Nah, it's hard to follow.
2: So that's why we kind of decided to bust it up. First part is the victimology, because you can get bogged down in the names and the dates and the places they were seen. And then we're going to follow up with part two about the actual crazy-ass corruption. So... My recommendation is going to be if you have not ever heard of the Jennings 8 case, take you a gander on the old interwebs and there's an ID miniseries and then Showtime actually did any, I think it was five, maybe as many as eight episodes, Murder in the Bayou. So if you got Showtime Plus or whatever the hell it's called, On Demand, whatever, you can look that up. But what's your recommendation now, brother?
0: I'm still going to recommend our private group. If you go to groups on Facebook and you type in Mysterious Brews Podcast, you can find our private group. I post a lot of funny shit on there. Yes, he does. uh, (laughs) Not necessarily related to the podcast, but it's a good way to communicate with the people that actually listen, and we appreciate everybody that does.
2: Yes, and I had been called out in the group for not welcoming one of the members, but Facebook sometimes will tell me that we have new members and then it will let me do a shout out and then they'll list them. And then so for the, it looked like if you've been following this one lady got left out. And then after I did that, we got, I got a notification that she was a new member. So it's, you know, it's crazy how Facebook works, but yeah, join that. We, we let everybody that applies in may not need to do that. But uh anyway, coach, you got anything else? You know I don't. (sighs) Deuces.